the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and we have an extra special guest host this week. You may remember the name, Don Dix. <laughs> we are so pleased that he's able to join us this week. So, um... Yeah, we, I count myself fortunate, I, and you in the audience should do so as well. Oh, that's very uh, Don kind has of you. Been doing all sorts of good things, from house hunting in Belize to taking yes. over the Riverside County Republican Party, doing the morning answer. That you know, we are just honored that he has time for us this week. And and uh, none of it did I ask for. It's it's the, it's the quirkiest thing. It's like the the more I try to avoid. The more it comes. So uh, great to hear your voice, though, Greg. Great to be back. You've had some awesome shows uh, the past couple of weeks and some great guests. And today's no different. In our first half hour here, we have several things we want to talk about. And the, uh, the first, I think, is that the most important news of the week was this, that the U.S. Supreme Court gave a green light to unlimited Democrat Party vote fraud. It was obvious that they chose to not review and get involved in the cases uh, after the after the election. They were not going to be involved in uh, deciding who the next president of the United States was. And uh, they slow walked the cases. They didn't have they didn't have the you know what to actually decide. Say we're not we're not going to review them. We're not going to overturn the results. We're not going to do anything. They just slow walked the cases. So they so this past Friday, a week ago Friday. They held their conference to decide whether or not they were going to consider the any of the vote fraud cases. And it takes four votes from Supreme Court justices to hear a case. The vast majority of cases that people ask them to review, they refuse. Uh, so the case has to be really important and a, a case that they think is a good vehicle for deciding the issues presented. So one of the cases involved was out of Pennsylvania and was the an issue as to whether or not the state Supreme Court could alter Pennsylvania election law or whether, as the, the U.S. Constitution provides, the, that, the ability to set election laws is reserved to and granted to the state legislature. Well, it turns out in this case that they did not get enough votes. Only three of the nine justices, Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch, wanted to hear the case. And Justice Thomas wrote a particularly good dissent. And he's explaining why the court should hear the cases. Because what had happened was the, U- the Pennsylvania Supreme Court had stepped in and extended the deadline for mail-in voting. The legislature had said, Mail-in ballots have to be received by 8 p.m. on Election Day. That was Pennsylvania law. The the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which is uh, dominated by partisan Democrats, said, no, we'll give them an extra three days. And the question was whether or not that that is constitutional. And Thomas explained that given the short time frame after an election, five weeks before the Electoral College votes in a presidential election, that that's not enough time for a complicated case to be resolved. Where you have to conduct discovery, potentially you might be looking at hundreds of thousands or millions of mail-in ballots. So his view was, okay, well, now we have plenty of time. We got two years before the next federal election, so this is an important issue and should be resolved if the... Pennsylvania Supreme Court acted unconstitutionally. We need to make that clear. If they have the authority, and that was also done in other states by various appointed officials or executive branch officials, they altered 
election laws, if they have that authority, we should make that clear. But for some, and he says, it's inexplicable why you don't do it, because this issue is likely to come up again. And if you wait until after the election, then there's not enough, there's really not enough time to resolve the matter. And he explains that it is elections depend upon having confidence. Our system depends on that, that the losing candidate and the losing candidate supporters have to think that it's fair. Otherwise, the process falls apart. And he concludes, I've been going on for quite a while, but I'm going to read you uh, Justice Thomas's concluding words. One wonders what this court waits for. We failed to settle this dispute before the election and thus provide clear rules. Now we again fail to provide clear rules for future elections. This decision to leave election law hidden beneath a shroud of doubt is baffling. By doing nothing, we invite further confusion and erosion of voter confidence. Our fellow citizens deserve better and expect more from us. I respectfully dissent. And what they in effect have done is told the Democrat Party, do whatever you want, as much vote fraud as you want to, and we, the Supreme Court, are not going to get involved. Well, this dissent by Justice Clarence Thomas drew the anticipated prompt blowback from Democrats who accused one of the court's most conservative members of embracing the baseless claims of voter fraud prompted by President Donald Trump after the November election. That is the opening sentence of a USA Today article on the uh, result of this Supreme Court decision. Um, I find it interesting, and, you know, this week Tucker Carlson has been doing a masterful job of unpacking the the literal fraud that the mainstream media has been engaged in on topics ranging from the voter issue to its representation of the existence of uh, critical race theory and systemic racism inside institutions like police departments. Um, and and this is this is another area. And, you know, we we might disagree about whether or not there was enough voter fraud in order to swing the election. And I say we, I don't mean Greg and I, I mean we as uh, as America. But I don't think one of the things we can disagree on is the fact that voter fraud exists. In the absence of any real uh, analysis or uh, review by a court or a court hearing or a court trial, we're still left with this uh, unanswered question of how bad was the voter fraud? Did it extend? Did, did, was it significant enough to impact the presidential election? Because I can tell you, as it works its way down the totem pole into elections that might swing on a hundred or two hundred votes, I, you can definitely make the case that enough ballots got into the hands of people uh, who were receiving multiple ballots ballots that uh for folks that no longer lived in the in in the in these houses uh that they've moved out of in California and other areas of the country where you've got voters that have dis- been deceased for 10 and 12 years i i have i was privileged to uh be uh present for a uh, presentation by Rick Grinnell a couple of weeks ago, and he told of a story of his neighbor who received two ballots in the name of his parents who'd been dead for 11 and 12 years. And th- this is happening all over the place. So, you know, here here you've got this USA Today article that in the first Sentence, literally the first sentence of the article says, embracing the baseless claims of voter fraud. Well, there is voter fraud. The problem is we just don't know if it's sufficient enough. Each of us has our beliefs about that. But was it enough to have swung the presidential election in a couple of key states? And I would say in Georgia, where what was it, 11,000 votes? That is a state that needs to be investigated for sure. 
in terms of its results. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate the Supreme Court didn't uh, didn't take this up. I agree with you because we need a we need a good to reinstill faith in our electoral process. We need a we need a good hearing on the issue, and I don't mean a well necessarily a trial hearing, but which is what it would be, but a good airing of the topic. And we're, we're not getting it because the media and the far left Democrats and even you know centrist Democrats are shutting the whole conversation down. Well, the, the, so are the Republicans, and the vast majority of Republicans have acquiesced, rolled over, and accepted the Democrat Party vote fraud and chose not to – whether – and that's – it's a longer discussion. What, what can they possibly be thinking? Because they're never going to win a presidential election again unless you correct this situation because the, the key swing states that you got to win – are now c- compromised by vote fraud and the Democrat Party seeing that they got they got away with open blatant vote fraud, trucking in ba- hundreds of thousands of ballots in the middle of the night while keeping out any observers that had a legal right to be there. And that's just one aspect of uh, that's just one aspect of what Joe Biden slipped up and said that they have the most comprehensive and inclusive voter fraud operation in U.S. history. You like that, and part you? of and part of it was that just this 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 changing of the vote for changing of election laws to facilitate mail-in ballots, and and Thomas said that that election administrators agree, and as did the uh, James Baker James J- Jimmy Carter Commission in the early two thousands, that mail-in ballots are most susceptible to fraud. So what they did was they changed the laws. And not the legislature, but the question presented in the Pennsylvania case was, and this is the USA Today article is lying because Thomas did not embrace the that there was the vote fraud turned the election. Right. But it was a question of whether or not courts or administrative officials or executive branch officials can on their own change state election laws adopted by the state legislature in whom, as Thomas said, that the Constitution vests authority to make those laws. So that was the issue, and that issue is going to come up again. And Thomas said we should take this opportunity to resolve the issue and make the rules clear. So the USA, to to say that Thomas was embracing everything that Donald Trump said is an absolute lie. It's another example of the mainstream media lying in service of their propaganda for uh, the Democrat Party. Well, I think that the title of the CNN article that appeared following that ruling is equally dubious. The title of their article was, In One Morning, the Supreme Court Looked to Rid Itself of the Trump Era. I'm not sure exactly that that was their motivation for their their ruling on this, but clearly they, they dodged the responsibility of the Supreme Court to deal with this vitally important issue that plagued the Pennsylvania election. You had bureaucrats and elected officials uh, doing the job that the legislature is supposed to do. And that was what, you know, that that's what should be determined. And it's not, it wasn't just Pennsylvania. You had other states uh, where bureaucrats and legislators were assuming the role of the legislature uh, in making decisions about how the election would proceed, and and that's that's really what is most unfortunate about this uh, hearing is that those people are no, are now not held to account for their di- direct violation of this. Right, and they, 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 as I said at the outset, they gave the green light to more vote fraud. Let's take a break here and hear from our sponsor, Ed Hoffman of Summit Funding, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590, The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. 
So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. California DRE number 1012658. Arizona NMLO license number 0926439. Branch NMLS ID number 1841782. Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199. Arizona license number 0925837. Equal housing opportunity. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Uh, Mutual friend of uh, both of ours, Don, and uh, multiple-time guest on our show is Philip Haney. And he was, if you're not familiar with him, he was an intelligence analyst with the Department of Homeland Security. He was credited with identifying more than 300 Islamic terrorists before they struck he was forced out during, forced into early retirement during the Obama administration because he was too good at finding and uh, Islamic terrorists and sifting through all the intelligence information. Philip believes that if he had been allowed to continue his work, he would have been able to stop the <clears throat> and identify the terrorists who committed the San Bernardino terrorist attack and the Pulse nightclub Islamic terrorist attack before they struck. On February 21, 2020, Philip was found dead in Amador County, where he then lived, uh, from a gunshot wound. After initial reports of uh, there was a suicide, the sheriff walked that back and said it was under investigation, and the case faded from attention. So this past week, somebody liked an old picture I had posted in 2019 of the last time Philip was on our show. Did she like that? So I thought, well. Let me, let me do a search and see if any update on Philip's case. And there was an article from Front Page Magazine. And what had happened was the sheriff had determined that it was a homicide. Not a suicide, but it actually made determined that it was a homicide. The sheriff deputies found a laptop and numerous thumb drives at the crime scene. So the sheriff made the big mistake of giving the laptop, the thumb drives, and other evidence to the FBI for analysis. And that was uh, back in July when they did that. Not a peep from the FBI since. And requests under the Freedom of Information Act to get the, to get that old, to get the laptop and thumb drives have been refused. So we have a situation where the uh, where Philip was murdered by persons unknown. The FBI has the evidence and is sitting on the evidence. The article uh, concludes: the previous president, according to biographer David Garrow, a composite character formerly known as Barry Satoro, transformed the FBI into a veritable American KGB. In the, in the current correlation of forces, the FBI aligns squarely with the deep state Democrat media access. That could have deadly consequences as the access powers maximize the contradictions. In the meantime, serious questions linger on. Who killed DHS whistleblower Philip Haney? Does the mighty FBI have any leads or suspects? Who would benefit from the murder of Philip Haney? What was on Haney's laptop and thumb drive? Well, unfortunately, uh, we may never know. Those items are probably lost and uh, gone forever. But should you trespass in the Capitol or report a, quote, noose, unquote, hanging from your garage door, be it rest assured, the FBI will spare no effort and leave no stone unturned in its investigation. Boy, that is so true. And when you look across the landscape at a variety of different events, you could uh, you could you could include things like the Vegas shooting, the murder of Seth Rich that's still gone un 
resolved. The suicide, of course, of Jeffrey Epstein, who did not kill himself. Um, even the recent killing of Ashley Babbitt. We've never heard. We don't even know who the Capitol Hill police officer was, if indeed it was a Capitol Hill police officer that fired that shot. Uh, you've got the unresolved suicide of Vince Foster. And now, lurking somewhere off in the shadows, the Durham investigation. There, the, the stack of stuff that piles up that is unresolved and, un, and, and not dealt with does nothing but cast doubt on the federal government's ability to police itself. That's kind of an oxymoron. Why would the federal government police itself? But Philip Haney wrote an article that this that the article that I'm looking at in front page magazine right now uh, references that article was a uh, w- questions whether or not the uh, uh, Obama administration had um, it was a uh, 2018 article that he that he authored. And the, the the question in that article is whether or not the Obama administration should have had their cler- their security clearances revoked. So, you know, Philip was no stranger to taking the Obama administration on directly. Uh, that article appeared in August 20th of 2018. And his vast knowledge, both of jihadist networks and of the Obama administration uh, that, you know, as you mentioned, could have prevented, he could have prevented those terror attacks, um, is is enough body of work that suspicious minds would say there was reason for someone to, um, you know, take out Philip Haney, particularly because we learned that he was supposed to, under the Trump administration, return to the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, uh, whoever may be involved, what is inexcusable is for the FBI to take the evidence and sit on it and and conceal it and obstruct any investigation. Why? They did it with the uh, Hunter's laptop. They they got that back in December of 2019. That that never never reappeared during the election. Sure, but what's... The problem is, is the FBI has become a corrupt, politicized arm of the Democrat Party, and it was used to get. They used it to, to spy on and then try to subvert President Trump, and the whole range of cases and many more that uh, that that you mentioned. Uh, another example that's particularly egregious is there was back. And I don't remember what year it was, but there was a draw the profit conference in Texas. The prophet being Muhammad, the prophet of, of, of Islam. And that's under Islam, it's forbidden to draw the prophet. So the point was that we're going to exercise our First Amendment rights, and we're going to draw whoever we please. Well, the FBI was aware of there was a uh, American Muslims were going to try to kill the people at that conference. The FBI agent encouraged them, followed them to the location to carry out the terrorist attack, and did, not, did nothing to alert authorities that there was a there was a planned terrorist attack. Fortunately, it failed, and the terrorist was was shot by a security guard, and well, one the security guard was was injured. But even at that, is the FBI was facilitating a, a terrorist attack in the United States by uh, Islamic radicals that were trying to kill Americans that were exercising their First Amendment rights. And there's never been any investigation, never any explanation. For how, for how that happened, why that happened, why did it, who made that decision to let that terrorist attack proceed? That fortunately, the, by by luck uh, and by the skill and by the bravery of the security guard, failed. It did fail, and the bigger point is: look at the people that attended the Capitol Hill, uh, you know, speech on January the sixth. Those that entered the Capitol have been literally hunted by the FBI. Uh, And, you know, many of them are still in jail, not even being released on bail. And what happened to the rioters? They've escaped everything. In fact, our vice, our current vice president actually bailed rioters out of jail. Yes. Stay tuned for the exciting second half of Unite, i.e. radio. 
Hi, everyone. This is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590, The Answer. For those of you that are 62 or older and haven't taken the time to inquire into a reverse mortgage, here are some great reasons to consider one. One, you don't have to make monthly mortgage payments unless you want to. Two, a reverse mortgage can supplement your retirement income and allow your retirement savings to last longer, which will save you money on taxes or possibly allow you to delay taking Social Security benefits, which will increase your benefit when you do. Three, when you finally pass on, your kids inherit the home and the equity in it, along with the money that is accumulated in your bank accounts from not having to make monthly mortgage payments. Four, no prepayment penalty if you decide to sell the home or refinance out of it. And the biggest reason, it's your equity. Use it when you want it. Interest rates are low, which means more money available, so if you've inquired before and it didn't work, it may work today. Calling to find out more details is free, so call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, and uh, my, uh, my special guest host this week is the incomparable Don Dix. Wow. And Coulter said that the most important issue, immigration is the most important issue because it determines all other issues. And that is exactly why the Democrat Party is again pushing a mass amnesty, even though we're still, we still have high unemployment and there are 17, 18 million Americans who want full-time employment but are not able to find it, and in which there's still a global pandemic. At least that's what they tell us. And we're going to bring in a lot more people. So they are, they're again pushing amnesty. And uh, how many illegal aliens there are? It remains open to question. The usual figure we've heard for 20 years is 11 million. Um, according to the article I'm reading now, is there's, they're conceding, well, now it's 14.5 million. But a, there was a study from Yale and another university that, that estimated 22 to 33 million, and even that may be low. Uh, especially by the time when they get done with it and the mass fraud that's going to occur in it, that you're not going to be pushing 30 to 40 million new uh, Democrat voters before you're done. So, so that's why the Democrat Party wants amnesty, is they won't need vote fraud after that. They will, it will, America will be a one-party, Democrat-run socialist state when they have four, 30 or 40 million new Democrat voters, because you saw how close it was this last time, and then you add on all those new Democrat voters. There was a great uh, segment on Tucker Carlson. I know I've mentioned him once before on today's show, but that is my go-to program, and he does an amazing job in his opening uh, segment of making the case on a whole variety of issues, um, you know, and that just that's just testimony to the kind of job you can do when you've actually got a staff, <laughs> you're not, and you're you're not like a a one or two man uh, person band. But he made the point uh, during I think it was Wednesday's show uh, that the number of 11 million illegal aliens in the country is obviously a lie because we've been told the $11 million figure for 15 years. And he actually went back and sourced where that $11 million figure came from, and it had to do with an extrapolation based on the uh, census that was done uh, back in, um, I think, 2005, a Pew Research Center uh Report announced that the undocumented population has reached nearly 11 million people. 
The weird thing he says is that 12 years later, Pew had roughly the same estimate. That should have been enough to tell us the number itself was fraudulent. In 2018, the Department of Homeland Security, which exists to track numbers like these, sort of played along with it and put the number of illegal aliens in the United States somewhere right around 12 million uh, individuals. And to which he responds, yeah, right. In April of 2019, then Department of Homeland uh, Secretary uh, Christian Nielsen admitted on Tucker Carlson tonight that we do not know the exact number of people living in this country illegally. So it was a great opening segment. And uh, he really he really pinned it down. They His staff found pretty much. Everybody who talks about immigration is using the Census Bureau's annual American Community Survey to estimate how many illegal immigrants live in the country. The Census Bureau tallies up the number of foreign-born people they've identified who live in this country, then estimate or subtract the number of foreign, foreign-born foreign uh, people known to be in the country illegally, and bingo, they came up with the 11 million people. So this number stems from a census that was generated in 2001, interpreted by Pew Research in 2005, and yet we're still using the same number. I got to believe, Greg, that it's a very different number today. Well, I'm sure that it is. And uh, while while Donald Trump over the opposition of Republicans, Democrats, and liberal judges was able to... uh, basically end the catch and release program at the, at the, at the border by, by basically leveraging Mexico into stopping the flow of illegal aliens and keeping the bogus asylum seekers in Mexico pending resolution of their cases. Uh, Biden, of course, Biden doesn't decide anything. The people that run Biden and then put up a speech for him to try to stumble his way through on the teleprompter, uh, have decided to open the border. And they've changed that policy, and, and everyone who shows up at the border and says the word asylum is led into the country. And you can see what effect that's going to have. Uh, it's estimated that there's going to be a million people crossing the border just this year. As the word's gone out all over the entire world, is that now is the time. You want to get into the country now is now is your opportunity to do so, and once they're in, of course, they disappear, and they don't they don't show up for their hearings that are scheduled two or three years hence from that. So, not only are you proposing amnesty, but you're telling the whole rest of the world is that uh, you know come on in, and even if you don't get this first amnesty, then you can be here and wait for the next amnesty. Uh, there's been seven amnesties thus far, all the way back to the Reagan amnesty, which they told us, they promised us that we're going to do, there's going to be an amnesty one time only, and then we promise, and I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers as I'm saying this, yes, we the government, we the ruling class, we promise that henceforth we're going to enforce the nation's immigration laws. How well did that work out? And there's been other well, there's been succeeding amnesties. Uh, let me ask you a question about how well that worked out. Let me ask you: Are we in the current position because of Donald Trump's administration has created a growing migrant crisis on the southern border? Was it Donald Trump's administration that created the current crisis? Well, I'm sure if you're reading the mainstream media, the answer is, of course, whatever problem exists is, is of course, the fault of Donald Trump. Well, this was exactly the position that uh, the current press secretary, Jen Psaki, took on Thursday when she said, we're in circumstance, we're in the circumstance we are, because not only was the approach of the Trump administration inhumane, it was ineffective would you characterize the trump administration on border security as being ineffective of course not and as as we said earlier that by leveraging mexico 
and notwithstanding the opposition of the Democrats, the Republic, many Republicans and liberal judges, they were able to stop the catch and release so that every illegal alien that got was stopped at the border was then released. So they were basically made to wait in Mexico. Because what was happening was that they had been taught by various activists that well, of the magic words you have to say to claim asylum. I have a credible fear of, of persecution in my home country. And with that, they were being led into the country until Donald Trump, as well as the wall, which he wasn't able to build as much as, we, as he wanted to, again, because of that kind of opposition, but was able to build a substantial amount of it. And that also helped reduce the flow of illegal immigration, illegal immigrants across the border. So it's just another case of the Democrat Party lying. They repeatedly use Lenin's principle that a lie repeated often enough becomes the truth. And they know that whatever you know, what she says will be echoed across the mainstream media. You have no choice. Yeah, of course. It's, 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 of course we had to open up the border. Of course we had to end the stay in Mexico policy. Of course we had to resume catch and release. It's all Donald Trump's fault. Of course. Well, here's what they're directly blaming the Trump administration for. What they're saying is that Donald, that the Trump administration's, uh, that, that their failure was not doing enough to improve the living conditions for people in foreign countries such as El Salvador, Honduras, and Nicaragua. So, to be clear... It's the Trump administration's fault because they didn't make those three countries a paradise to live in so people wouldn't want to come here. It's their fault because now that we've relaxed the living, the uh, policies at the border, um, we've we've signaled to those folks that they're free to come across the border. Catch and release is back in vogue. Um, despite the fact that a judge in Texas uh, said that the Biden administration does not have the authority to be able to do that, but um, they're gonna that that won't stop them uh, because in in January alone, Customs and Border Protection took in almost six thousand unaccompanied minors into custody. Six thousand. And so now the Biden administration is faced with what to do with those people. Well, guess what? Uh, They've had no alternative to do something that was almost identical to what the Trump administration was. And you remember that what the uh, what people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said is that the kids are in cages, despite the fact that at the uh, opportunity to have a press meeting at one of these locations, they never went inside. They only viewed it from the outside and came to the conclusion that the same thing going on inside was the same thing going on during the Obama administration. In fact, used the pictures from the Obama administration's kids in cages controversy. The mainstream media used those same pictures. Right. And it's always there's always. At least we hope that's the case, is that America is going to be a more prosperous country than another one. So you're always going to have that draw. And you, you, can't, you can't blame them. If I, if, you, if I lived in Honduras, I would probably want to come to the United States, too. I can earn more money. And many of them, uh, the, the money they do earn here, a lot of that is sent back to their home countries to support their families there. <clears throat> that's perfectly understandable why people would want to immigrate here legally or illegally. It's our politicians, it's our leaders that don't, do not, are not looking out for our country and its people that are the ones that, are, that deserve the, the moral condemnation. Immigration Stephen laws are, to, are intended to protect our workers. <clears throat> the law of supply and demand applies to the labor market like it applies to every other market. Increase the supply and the price, wages and salaries, go down. And this is not even just a problem for lower-skilled workers, but even for, for college graduates. 
where they're bringing they bring in through green cards through uh, not that green cards through uh, their H one B visas and similar programs. They bring in foreigners to work in technical fields, and they and they do so less expensively than Americans. Half of the uh, Americans that have a STEM, they call STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math degree, are not working in that field. Yet, last year, the uh, Congress, they slipped through and it was voted in the Senate by unanimous consent. They never took a recorded vote to increase the number of foreign tech workers that are going to be allowed into the country. So it's the U.S. politicians that deserve the moral blame and condemnation for not enforcing our immigration laws. There was a study done in 2016 by the National Academy of Sciences that concluded that both legal and illegal immigration reduced the wages of American workers by $500 billion per year. Now, that's $500 billion in the favor in the, in the pockets of corporations, businesses, and people that contribute to politicians' campaigns. So they're, they're perfectly happy to have this. It just doesn't work out so well for the working men and women of America. And yet, they want to give this mass amnesty. And one, I've been laboring on here for a little while, but one final, one further point that has to be understood is it's not just what the law says, but it's how it's going to be implemented. It'll be implemented by a bureaucracy that is staffed with Democrats and members of government employee unions. So whatever you do, whatever standards you put on it, what's going to happen in reality is virtually every application is going to get rubber stamped through and whatever number you think your your 10 million, 20 million, whatever you think that number is, it's going to be much greater. In the original amnesty under Reagan, they told us that 1.5 million ended up being double that, 3 million. So now if they're telling us it's 15 million, we should assume it's going to be at least double that at 30 million new people. This new law is the estimate with including, because once, once they get legal status, once the illegals become legal, they can bring their family in through chain migration. Now, this bill that the Democrats have proposed is going to result in 52 million more legal and illegal immigrants entering the country. And with that cheery note, let's hear from our sponsor for this half of United IE Radio, All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident. Because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire Radio Show, the show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. We had a, a uh, election in November of 2020 that many consider to be have have had a lot of problems, and many of those problems stemmed from the uh, election protocols we use out here in California. Uh, that had been adopted by many of the other many other states, including this mail-in ballot, of course, because we had a pandemic. Well, there's been a lot of controversy, Gray. Uh, not a lot, a lot of co- well, yeah, there's controversy about it, but a lot of conversation and discussion about a pet project of the Democrat lawmakers in Washington D.C. that want to pass something called HR one. HR one federalizes and micromanages the election process administered by states imposing a broad variety of unnecessary, unwise, and what are ultimately unconstitutional mandates. That is, if we can get the U.S. Supreme Court to weigh in on them, 
on states and reverses the concept of the decentralization of the American process. The whole idea of, uh, you know, having states that do the jobs not specifically outlined in the Constitution um, is is going to be turned over by H.R. 1 because this bill interferes with the ability of states and their citizens to determine the qualifications for voters. It is going to ensure the accuracy of, uh, well, it interferes with the ability to ensure the accuracy of voter registration rolls. It interferes with the ability to secure the integrity of elections, and it interferes with with uh, uh, literally the political process and undermines the ability of states to determine district boundary lines for electing representatives. The Heritage Foundation has done a, 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 an incredible job of outlining this, and they uh, share three basic takeaways of H.R. 1, uh, that it as I said, federalizes and micromanages the electoral process administered by states. It interferes with the ability of states and their citizens to determine qualifications and ensure the accuracy of voter rolls, which also interfere. No longer will any state be able to require any form of voter ID. And it reverses the process of decentralization of the electoral process, which ultimately is necessary for protecting liberty and freedom. Ever since the Democrats have taken the reins of government, we have seen one after another after another uh, piece of legislation that is doing nothing but reducing liberty and freedom. Earlier in this week, and I don't know if you caught this, but there was a hearing that essentially was done in the uh, House Commerce Committee that was investigating whether or not cable providers should any longer carry Fox News one American News Network or Newsmax. I mean, literally writing a letter to the 12 major uh, uh, carriers of TV signals into America's homes saying, you really should reevaluate whether you carry these stations or not because they are the purveyors of misinformation. Didn't mention CNN, though. No, of course not. Um H.R. 1 is uh, whether it would ultimately be, be held uh, constitutional is open to question. But you know, will the uh, U.S. Supreme Court do anything? We, we were just reading about from Justice Thomas and his dissenting opinion about whether to take uh, some of the, the vote fraud cases is that the Constitution gives to the state legislature the ability to write election laws in their respective states. And whether so, whether that would survive, whether the HR one would be upheld if they actually considered it, don't know. But uh, since they ducked the, all the vote fraud cases, the, the U.S. Supreme Court may duck this as well. And another aspect of it, as well as undermining any and all any election integrity, uh, voter ID, you have to allow same day voter registration, which is same day vote fraud. Uh, yeah, there's vote by mail, but it will also violate the First Amendment. It would uh, require all sorts of reporting by uh, and disclosure of any donations from all sorts of uh, nonprofit organizations, thereby intimidating them and their members from participating in the political process if they know their names are going to be going to be made public. It would reduce the number of uh, members members of the Federal Election Commission from six to five. So right now it's balanced evenly between three Republicans and three Democrats. It would now let them have a Democrat majority to then to further stack elections in favor of the Democrat Party. It would uh, restore the ability of any of all felons to to vote. Curious why the Democrats think the felons are going to favor them. They seem to. It would take away the right of the state legislatures to uh, do their redistricting and in, put that to an independent commission, of course. Uh, who's on the independent commission? You know, in California, that just produces gerrymanders for the Democrat Party just as good as the, uh, as the legislature would do. Uh, so, yeah, this is, this, is a, this is a very insidious piece of, of, of legislation.
and we'll see if it passes both the House and the Senate, but then before we start the uh, litigation phase on this, it'd be good. Of course, all the Democrats are in favor of it because they're in favor of anything that gives them more power. That's all they care. They don't care about the Constitution. They do not care about honest elections. They don't care about the Republic. Those are all obstacles. They care about power. And whatever helps get them power, whether it's amnesty and stacking the voting deck with tens of millions of foreigners and that they came here illegally and giving them citizenship, or whether it's H.R. 1 and erasing all election integrity in the country and restricting the First Amendment rights of their opponents or intimidating cable network providers, uh, the, rather, rather the, uh, yeah, the cable companies, into not carrying any opposition channels that would contradict anything the Democrat Party is putting out. It's all about getting more power. I wish it was just going to end with H.R. 1, but there are so many more bills. H.R. 5, the Equality Act. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Freedom and liberty are hanging in the balance, folks. Which is why the most important political office is that of the private citizen. That's all the time we have this week. Tune in next week for another exciting edition. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 102658, Arizona ML license number 092643, Ranch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 092583, Equal Housing Opportunity. AM 590, the answer.